There are a lot of surprising effects that the pandemic has caused with all of us on social levels, on physical levels, on mental levels. And what we're going to talk about today is on productivity levels. You know, if you put me in the Wayback Machine to six months before the pandemic began and told me that we were going to be in a semi-lockdown environment for the better part of two years, where I'd be working from home, I'd have full access to all of my tools, etc. I would have thought, wow, I am going to get so bloody much work done, it is going to be epic. Nothing of curse nothing of curse, nothing of course could be farther from the truth. If anything, we are far less productive as we have transitioned into this, into this new reality than we were before. And a lot of us beat ourselves up over that. There's a lot of reasons for it. We've discussed some of them in previous episodes of this podcast, but today we are going to get a fresh voice, an experienced voice, a voice that I respect, a real productivity expert as Mike Vardy is going to be joining me, my good friend, Mike Vardy, the productivityist. And we're going to discuss all things productivity from a philosophical point of view about how the pandemic has affected us and the different strategies and techniques that we can use, or the, the maybe not the strategies that we can use, but instead the attitude that we can have, what we can take from the experience of the last year and help it to perhaps spring us forward into the next year. That's all coming up today on Gray Matters. Steve Dotto here. How the heck you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing. Our prospects are changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help, I want to help, and this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. And I'm joined now by the lovely and talented Rachel Moore. How are you doing, Rachel? Well, Steve, uh, I'm doing really well. I will tell you, I'm looking forward to my second shot on my vaccination next week. And I, after seeing everybody's responses with how they're handling theirs, I'm, I'm just prepping for a couple days of uh, relaxation after it happens. <laughs> oh, so so a lot of your friends are getting sick with the second shot. Yeah, and and apparently it's kind of a hit or miss thing. Uh, yeah. Like I've seen couples where like one part of the couple is kind of fine, bounces back right away. The other one takes kind of a hit for the next yeah. d- day and a half. And so now my husband and I just kind of laying down bets like which one of us, which one of so, us is going to be the weak one. Yeah, so we're in Canada. We, uh, or at least my wife and I both got the AstraZeneca shot, which isn't even available to you down the States That's yet. That's right. And, um, I was, I just had a really, really sore arm for a mm. week and, uh, Shannon got sick though. She got really sick two days oh. off work and, uh, yeah, she's completely sick, but there's a, they, they recommend a much longer gap between the AstraZeneca uh, shot. So we're not going to get our second ones till June in July. Dang. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're a long ways away. We're, we're, we're ca- catching up slowly, but we are a long ways away from, that's uh, right. From settling things out. Well, we've got a busy week. Uh, it's been a busy week here at Dotto Tech. Uh, we launched our new uh, our new 
Patreon bootcamp this past nice. week. So I'm, my head is still spinning from the week that was. <laughs> Whenever you're doing a product launch, you know what it's like. It's uh, it's mm-hmm. just a little bit insane. So my head was spinning. So, uh, But we've got a great interview coming up in a little bit. Mike Vardy, a good buddy of mine, uh, we're going to be talking about productivity. And it's it's inter- uh, good that we start out talking a little bit about the vaccine because <clears throat> we're going to – Mike is a – he's the productivityist. He is, he is one of the real kind of gurus of all things productivity-related. And I'm going to spend some time talking with Mike about the the shifts in our attitude towards productivity based on the pandemic, with the people working from home and what our what our preconceptions were before and how it's changed us, how how this lockdown and how the uh, just the the change in work rhythms mm-hmm. has changed our not just our real productivity but our attitude towards productivity, how we look at it, and uh, some of the stuff that we lay on ourselves. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be a great interview coming up in a few moments. But before we do that. I think we should spend a few minutes taking a look at the craziness that is the world of tech, that is the world of online marketing, and uh, and look at the top news stories. So, Rachel, what, what caught your attention this week in the world of interesting stuff happening online? Yeah, so uh, I've actually, I've always had an eye for this. So uh, one of my prior jobs, I worked in a department agency that was for human and healthcare services. And so I always had an eye toward accessibility, right, to where... Mm-hmm. Any messaging going out, you'd, you'd want to make sure it's ADA compliant, you know, make sure that anyone who might have any kind of impairment. ADA diff- compliant. What's that? That's a that's an, um, acronym, an acronym I'm not familiar with. So ADA stands for Americans with Disabilities, and it's for the Americans uh-huh. with Disabilities Act. And essentially, it's just enforcing that businesses need to make sure if you've got public communications or anything publicly accessible, that as many people as possible should be able to ingest that, to read it, to see it, to hear it. Um, so embedding closed captioning within videos. Exactly. Sort of yeah. yeah. And and in graphics even to make sure you're using, and this is one a lot of us forget, using high enough contrast. You know, sometimes you're like, ooh, I like this color of font against this background. The contrast may be too weak for someone who's got some uh, eyesight impairment yeah. to be able to see it. So, And also alt text on images. Haha, it's a big one. But the one that caught my eye and has been catching my eye, and this is uh, regarding Instagram. So those of you who are using Instagram for any kind of marketing, uh, particularly stories and reels. So stories, just to recap, that's, you know, again, kind of a copycat that trickled down all the way from when Snapchat first did stories. But it's basically vertical video. You record about I think anywhere between 10 to 15 seconds of a video that's vertical, and then it lasts for 24 hours. You can have different means of saving it and things like that. And you can tag and things. Um, and then they added Reels, which was uh, Instagram and slash Facebook's response to TikTok, uh, where you can actually kind of do some more produced, edited with music and fun filters and things like that. And they're persistent but, as opposed to going away. Exactly. And, and you know, pre- people who aren't really inclined to TikTok, but do use Instagram, it's a great answer for them because like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm able to do that kind of thing, you know, and that level of creativity, but I don't have to go be on TikTok. So, um, but what they've added to stories and it's coming to reels is they've added a sticker where if you put it, you have to go in and add the little sticker function onto your story, but it will add captions, automatic captions to whatever you're saying in the story, which is really nice because then, you know, you don't have to manually go in and say, well, let me create a text, you know, uh, feature or add some text to the story that says exactly what I'm saying, this button or sticker will do it for you. And I really like that aspect because you're, again, doing a video, but by adding those, I mean, I don't know how many of us, I'm raising my hand, watch a lot of video without audio on, mm-hmm. you know? And so it just makes it a little easier for 
pretty so much. So are these are these captions in uh, hard baked in? So it's so it's so they're it's appearing as subtitles as opposed to like closed captioning, which you toggle on or off. Exactly. So it's going to appear in the video no matter what, okay. uh, essentially. Yeah. So, and that but, is great for social video that's going to be shared on Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. or Twitter because people are, as you say, often listening to them in environments where they're not, where the sound is down. That's right. And I, I'm one of those, I, I often like, well, I wake up before my husband a lot of times and I sit and, you know, lay in bed. And if I don't have my Bluetooth earbuds right there, I like, I want to watch videos, but I don't want to have the audio on because then he gets all cranky. Um, <laughs> but so I just watch him, but I do often watch uh, videos without audio. And sometimes if I see something compelling enough where the, um, the text is saying, Hey, maybe this is worth going back to. I will go back to that video and watch it with audio on. Um, but yeah, so I just really like this move. I like it whenever any, um, social media or any marketing, um, tool or platform makes it just that little bit easier Mm -hmm. to add that kind of accessibility to, uh, to their videos. And the, and the voice recognition, the, uh, the recognition tools for actually incorporating closed captioning. If you've got a neutral accent, if you've got a heavy accent or in your different language, it's, it's a lot more difficult. But if you have a fairly neutral accent, uh, the accuracy of the uh, of the voice to text tools is is uh, just amazing today. I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember back you no know, nine years ago getting Dragon dictates and learning about doing dictation, and, and it was such a difficult process. And you had to enroll it; you had to train the technology in order to to hear what you're doing. But today, with Google Assist and Siri, just the amount of data and the amount of different voices that these mm-hmm. services and these algorithms are seeing on a daily basis. Um, as I say, if you have a neutral accent for, for somebody like me, for Canadians, it's absolutely brilliant because our accent is so neutral. I know you mm-hmm. guys make fun of some of the words we say, but it's it that that's one of the reasons that like you know so many Canadians like Peter Jennings are hired as uh, broadcasters mm-hmm. and news announcers because the accent is considered to be tremendously neutral. Yeah, and well, uh, but it and it's a it's a boon for us as far as uh, as far as uh, voice recognition. I, some of my some of my Australian friends. The New Zealand friends, I don't know. I I can barely understand. What <laughs> and certainly if you get to the Welsh. <laughs> oh, yes. The Irish, if they've been drinking. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, well, and to your point, uh, this is only currently rolling out to English speaking yes. countries and English yeah. users. So um, but they're they're planning to expand it. Absolutely. So, again, I just I, I love seeing that kind of thing. Iron- it's, it's ironic, is it not, that the uh, the, the tools for ex- accessibility are being completely limited to anybody that doesn't speak English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. A little bit of irony well, it's kind of like why people start, you know, marketing their apps on um, Apple instead of uh, Android because they know that's where the biggest market is. It's like, okay, yeah, very exactly. strategic of them. Exactly. So my two top stories this week are both financial. And I'm going to start with this one. And I think this might be a case. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but if this is a case of this wishful thinking on behalf of the bank of England. Um, but the bank of England, the, the, the uh, governor of the bank of Eng- England, Andrew Bailey has warned people who invest in crypto to prepare to lose all their money. These Whoa. dire warnings from the bank of England, which is of course, one of the old and venerable financial institutions. So it basically, that that we'll share the link with you, but it's uh it's from the Guardian, it's Guardian. Who's it? I can't remember who's from RT. Uh, the the uh, the post that I've got, I thought it was from the Guardian, but it's not. But it is uh it, the, the 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 title is cryptocurrency investors should be prepared to lose all their money. Bank of England, not too <laughs> clickbaity a title. No, not at all. Like what? <laughs> Click, tell me more. <laughs> so I am just wondering because it's from the from a from a bank. Um, you know, mm. I'm wondering if it's a cry of fear 
that they're worried that digital currencies are going to severely impact their business and they don't know how to deal with it. Or if they truly believe, if he truly believes that cryptocurrency, and he's, and he's just trying to scare people away and delay, perhaps delay the inevitable, or if they really believe that there's a chance. And, and we've already seen stories of people who have lost all their cryptocurrency because there is no recourse. There's no audit trail that you can find. If right. somebody steals your crypto, uh, they've got it. And you just say goodbye. There's no way to, 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 to get it back. And if they hack, if they do it through uh, hacking or any other thing, it's just there's nothing you can do. So consequently, that's a big target for people who are uh, inclined to the uh, mm -hmm. to the darker side of things. But I find it fascinating that we're starting. It's first of all, it's reached the horizon that it's reached the you know it's come up of the horizon the entire concept of crypto that the governor of the Bank of England yeah. is doing public interviews where he's warning people with these dire warnings. Yeah. Um, so I suspect the real truth is somewhere in the middle that there, you know, there is danger, but I think ultimately crypto is going to become a, a large factor just on just a cashless, the mm -hmm. cashless world that we're moving towards just means yeah. that it's just, you know, it's, it's at the far end of that spectrum, but it's, we're definitely moving that way. I think we had a conversation the other day, uh, mm -hmm. a previous podcast about, you know, do you have cash in your pocket anymore, change or right. money? And we just, we just don't. We don't. Well, and I, you know, clicked on, we'll have the link to these stories too. And, uh, in the uh, post for the podcast, but, um, in the show notes. And I, uh, I saw in the article, it says he is a known skeptic of cryptocurrency. So that mm -hmm. might be feeding it. But, but you're right. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see, is this like one of the first major bank entities or presence that's going to say, uh, definitively, you should stay away from cryptocurrency. And are we going to see banks who are just refusing to embrace it or adapt to it or try to wield their, you know, clout to say, nope, we're I, not going to go there. I think it's going to, that, that, uh, a few of the banks are going to embrace it mm -hmm. and figure out a way to work within that environment and yeah. to start to throw their weight behind it. And ultimately it will be a part of your existing bank account. I, I don't know if it'll always be this existing um, kind of wild world of digital wallets, uh, which is which is something that frankly terrifies me. Uh, <laughs> but when, you know, like I do my personal banking with Bank of Montreal, if Bank of Montreal was to come down the pipe and say, hey, Steve, we've got this crypto wallet for you now that's available. It's just another thing within your account. It would It would get me started. It would mm -hmm. get me started on I the could, path. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I am so naive that I simply don't get it. And people out there listening right now going, Steve, there's a real, it's obvious that you're wrong because of this, this, this. But uh, I believe that some of the banks are ultimately going to get on board. And that is going to be the start of the, um, that's going to be the start of the real kind of rush towards crypto. If it, if it does happen. I concur. We'll yeah. see. So what have you got next for me? So, uh, well, let's just keep on this financial track a bit, but this does go back to social media. Uh, so for any of you who do use Twitter, uh, which, you know, I just was doing a really bad accent. I am talking, talking about, of course, about Twitter. Yes. Um, but if you do use Twitter, uh, they have just launched a tip jar. And we had alluded to this in, some, in a prior episode uh, that this was coming down the pipe and it is our pike. Coming down the pike is the correct one, um, but uh, yeah, it's here too. Though you know, it's coming yeah. down the pipe. Yeah. It's coming down the pipe. I mean, 
whether however the money is coming to you, boom, yeah. it's coming your way. So, uh, so now you should be able to. Um, it has opened a tip jar to where certain creator accounts uh, can uh, enable their tip jar. So essentially, what will happen is if you uh, go visit the profile of someone who has their tip jar enabled, next to the follow button, you should see a little currency button, and you can tap that and uh, send them money. And here's a few aspects to this. Uh, one is Twitter is not taking a cut of the money that is given between two two parties on Twitter, um, which I know we've talked about that and other things too, where any kind of like monetary conduit we're using in business, you always got to be careful about how much are they skimming off the top. Twitter is saying they're not taking a cut out of this. You can It's like Venmo where you can just send money yeah. and you actually can use Venmo as one of the um, money um, features or money apps that will tie into this and let you send money to people, PayPal as well and a few others. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's just interesting because now, you know, it's much like, you know, you get super chats on YouTube and things yep. like that. But you can actually, if, if you just want to compliment somebody or give them some money. Um, one of my friends in Twitter and marketing Twitter pointed out that this could be a great boon for nonprofits. You know, if they're on Twitter and have a presence there, they could start, um, you know, hopefully raising some funds there again, where it's just a direct transaction. So I am interested to see where this goes. I, it seems like uh, I know we've been hearing about it, but I'm just I'm kind of look on the lookout. I, I do not have a tip jar enabled yet, but uh, I'll be curious if you get one. And uh, I would love to kind of yeah. learn like how it works. Right. It's not my intention to use one at all. But here, so here's so, so flies in the ointment um, in, in my story in a few moments will be one of the biggest flies in the ointment because mm. it actually is, it relates to this. But the, here's the issue with these tips and with Super Chat and uh, and the like is in these environments, people are not traditionally thinking about uh, supporting the, the the creator because these these platforms have been traditionally ad supported. So it's all free content. Mm-hmm. And so shifting people's mindset towards a revenue concept, like they also now will allow you to do uh, uh, Twitter's also incorporating paid for services where you can have a paid account where you pay for the account of subscription like you would for a newspaper. So mm-hmm. your, your tweets are going to be behind, be behind a paywall. But the, the marketplace hasn't hasn't grown up with that to, as a as as a metaphor, and so I don't think that they're going to be that willing to uh, willing to willing to get there. Heavy users of Twitter may well appreciate um, another Twitter account, and they and the concept of tipping them may occasionally kind of come up. But in the YouTube world, which is where we've had tipping for quite a while with Super mm-hmm. Chat. The only real successful place that I've seen it are during live streams mm-hmm. when creators are, when, when it's a uh, fans trying to get the attention of the broadcaster of this, right. of, of the creator. And so it's, it's been very successful in things like um, for the, in the YouTube, in the actually in the YouTube uh, training world, uh, several friends of mine have regular live streams where they do evaluations of your of your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So they go to your page yeah. and they give you an evaluation of what you should be doing and what, you know, to help uh, creators grow. And so, so typically you'll often have the people who are doing the game channels, you know, going there and having them take a look at it and say, what should I be doing better? What should I be doing worse? What, you know, what, what about the names of my videos? What about my thumbnails? And so these people will tip them and that, that then uh, they'll use the tip as a kind of a payment for the, for the, uh, for the uh, on screen, for the live evaluation and uh of their of their product so it's worked so it's a fee-for-service almost in that particular case um but and we we do live streams and we get occasional tips where people say we just appreciate you steve but 
People are comfortable and they expect to support people in this vein through Patreon mm-hmm. or through their membership sites where they can sign up and they, you know, and, and, and actually with it, it's, we are just talking about Patreon, but we, we've been launching our Patreon bootcamp. So I've been thinking about this very in great detail over the last few months as we've been preparing the content for this. And I just don't think that the environment, it's just, it's just like, you don't think about tipping. What, what would be an analogy? We're used to tipping in the restaurant for most of us. We're right. used to tipping in a restaurant, but we're not necessarily used to tipping at the shoe store. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. And just because the shoe store puts a tip jar at the front, <laughs> it's still a very small percentage of people who are thinking, I'm going to tip. Yeah, the, I have some cash. Store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, first, first of all, who has cash? That's right. And, and certainly, uh, if the if the person if I bought a new pair of sneakers and the person handed me the payment uh, pad and on it was tip, I would be I'd just go, "What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> tip? Why would I tip you? Right? You know? <laughs> but yet, what they do is not a lot different than what a server does in a restaurant. That's right. Especially in their the they're working around your feet. Ooh. It's the environment. It's the environment that we are working within. Mm-hmm. So I predict that it's going to be a big, great, big nothing burger. The uh, the tip jar on Twitter, as is as ultimately, I think Super Chat has ended up being maybe not a nothing burger, but it's definitely not a quarter pounder burger. It's it's a, <laughs> one of those single patties with just ketchup. It's a slider. And, yeah, it's ketchup and a uh, and what pickle? You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> and so there was an interesting aspect of this too. Um, so one thing it already pointed out, someone had already noticed there was a flaw. A privacy risk, imagine. But um, I get so PayPal, we mentioned, is one way that you can send tips. But apparently, if you do send via PayPal, uh, the recipient can see your PayPal address, email address. Um, and they're trying, they've, they issue already, yeah, already got yeah, reported sure. and they're like, oh, let's, let's, we'll Anybody fix that. Anybody who does a PayPal payment, I can see their email address. Yeah. yeah so, so yes, I'm interested to see. Because you, you have can, to be able to do refunds. That's right. That's and right. you can do you can do the tip jar too in Twitter spaces. And so you were you were just talking about the live aspect of it. That could be maybe where it has legs. Um, because that is yeah, a little that, bit more that, of a live broadcast. That could but, be better. Yeah. So anyway. let's 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 transition to my final story, which is yes. the other side of the fly in this ointment, is it's all great for people to give you money, but the the governments of the world are starting to pay attention to all of this money transferring back and forth internationally. And they're saying, wait a minute, that tip jar, we want our hand in that tip jar. That's right. And so YouTube has just announced that it is going to be pulling taxes on all YouTube creators, 24% on all creators who haven't filled out forms on, uh, haven't gotten into their AdSense account and claimed their and claimed their tax benefits based on their country of origin. So this means, so what it means for, for like, I, of course I noticed this right away because I'm going, wait a minute, uh, you know, uh, but if you, there are countries with tax treaties with the United States where based on the tax treaty, the U S will pull a percentage of the, uh, of the, uh, of, actually I should, I should backtrack a bit because I realized that I started in the middle of the story. The, 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 the premises of this is that all revenue generated in the United States, which is the bulk of the revenue that we get in ads, ads on YouTube, mm-hmm. all of that is going to be, uh, is going to be in the catchment area for the taxes. It's going to be, it's going to be the bucket that they're looking to charge taxes on. So 
in order to kind of force creators into that environment, YouTube or the government, or I don't know who it is that's decided, but they've said, we're going to tax you 24% of all YouTube revenue unless you go in and you give us your tax information so we can properly classify you based on the tax treaties with your jurisdiction. So here in Canada, we have a tax treaty and I have done this already. Many, many, I've gone in and I've given them, I think it's a WBN 10 form Mm -hmm. where it tells them that I am paying tax in Canada. So that then therefore that any money coming in uh, based on that tax treaty is not going to be withheld in the U S but instead I'm going to be paying those taxes in Canada. And for the most part, it's, it works pretty well. It's just accounting and, you know, tax returns at the end of the year. But if you haven't done that, they're going to, uh, they're going to assume that all of your money c- coming in is going to be taxed at 24%. So, the, so it's going to make it far more complicated. The accountants of the world are right now just, they've got party hats on, they're blowing those little horns. They have a little <laughs> bit of confetti dropping down because it's going to be that much more difficult for everybody yeah. administering their businesses. But if you are a YouTube creator, you have to go into your AdSense account. You have to go into your uh, the payment settings, and you have to share the information. If you're an individual, you have to share your social security number here in Canada or whatever identifier, tax identifier is in your mm-hmm. in your jurisdiction. And if you're a business, you have to cha- share. I think it's called the WB10. I can't recall yeah. the exact number, but you have to share that information, that tax information, with the tax number of the that your company is paying. Uh, for in order and, and nonprofits are the same. They have to, they are, they're under the same kind of auspices. So that's a big change, but to, to kind of tie this back to your original story. Um, so Twitter starting with this tip jar and they're saying they're not going to charge anything, but as long as it's tiny dollars, nobody's going to notice. But as soon as it becomes significant as YouTube ad revenue is just last week, we talked about the $6 billion this quarter in ad sense revenue and ad revenue on YouTube. Uh, so it's become very significant. YouTube is making as much money now as Netflix is. Once yeah. that level of revenue has been achieved, we no longer are flying under the horizon as far as the jurisdictions are concerned. And the U.S. government says, we want our share. And the Canadian government says, we want our share. And the British government says, don't buy Bitcoin. <laughs> that was an accurate representation. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, uh, yeah, I just actually, while you were talking, I went in and checked my AdSense. I'm like, no, I'm good. I've got my tax info in there. So yeah, yeah go you're, get you're a U.S. citizen. AdSense. So it's all part of, it's all part and parcel. It, this is, this is really for people who are outside of the U.S. Yeah. <sighs> well, so. I'm glad I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, anyone listening to this, especially those outside the U.S., you know, way to raise the flag and be like, hey, go get this done. You have until what date do we have to get that in by? I don't know. It's on the story. It's, in the story. I think it's I May thirty first, so that's yeah. in a that's in a hot minute. <laughs> so yeah. everybody, go get to your AdSense. Well, people will notice as soon as they see that they're 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 uh, people who do generate AdSense revenue. You'll notice a twenty five percent drop in that revenue, and you'll go, "What's happening?" Yeah, <laughs> but so so do it now, so you don't don't see that. <laughs> that indeed, indeed, that is the case. Just before we get on to my interview with Mike Vardy, uh, my chat with Mike Vardy, on a personal, completely personal level. I got to tell you, this last week, last weekend, it was delivered. I bought an Oculus, uh, <gasps> the Oculus Rift 2. I think it's the Rift. Is the Rift the Oculus? No, Quest 2, the Oculus headset. Nice. The 3D headset. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, you know, it, this new, this for, for, this is a 3D headset. You've seen people wearing these, these headsets that are, you know, these glasses that you wear. And, um. I, I cannot believe how much processing power is wow. in this thing. Now, this thing is designed by Facebook. So it, there's a lot of reasons that I probably shouldn't have done it. Um, <laughs> but it, 
it's untethered. Like the original 3D headsets, you had to tether to a computer and there was a yeah. lot of processing power that went into whatever the 3D environment you are. But now these things are so powerful that it's just it's just a headset. It's completely untethered. You it's wireless charged. You got these little handsets. You put it on, you go through a bit of an enrollment. And the 3D environment is stunning. It's mm. it's um it, it blew me away. Um, the games I'm not so excited. Like I I delayed buying one because you have to have a fairly large area because you're blind. You've got it on. Yes. And you're waving your hands around fighting dragons or some such thing, <laughs> and you could be just knocking over furniture, hitting the hitting your significant other in the yeah, head. Yeah. There's a whole you, subset of YouTube's yeah, about breaking that. Breaking TVs. There's a lot of badness that can happen. But they do. <laughs> they, you do geofence yourself. You do draw this area on the floor. But I live in a fairly small townhouse, and I didn't think I had space. Uh, but I, nevertheless, I still got it, and um, th- I do have space. It doesn't take as much space as you think. Mm-hmm. But the thing that blew me away is the gaming is sort of okay, but you know what I've become instantly addicted to is the fitness activities on it. Nice. And it's and you wouldn't think that it is, but they've got these games, which are, there's one called Supernatural, and I can't remember what the other one's called. But you, it puts you in these environments. It's a, So you're in a 3D environment like the Galapagos Islands, and you're standing on a little platform, and there's these little uh, kind of uh, portals that are out in the distance. And through the portals start flying these little beach balls. And and, and your hands have two bats, a, a white and a black bat. And you just start hitting these beach balls, which sounds as lame as lame can be. Does it not? <laughs> but to tell me why it's not, though. The music. They add music to it, and it's all with the beats. And, and these and these things are coming in patterns, and they're hard. Uh, and 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 they also put little triangles, so they ask you to squat. So as far as a cardio exercise goes, it's really simple movements. It's basically flailing your arms about and squatting from time to time. But it's a real workout. Uh, of course, the, the real workout for me is also just you know walking up the stairs. But <laughs> it's a real workout that 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 kind of is, and it's so enjoyable because nice. they, they, oh, they have great. coaches that are kind of coaching them through it but the music you select your type of music you like and they go through a real decision uh, their design process is making the balls happen in time with the music so you feel like it's almost like you're dancing that's so i cool. wouldn't do it in front of anybody i do it when nobody's home because you probably <laughs> look like an absolute moron but it is it has it has entranced me as far as it and and pleasant surprise like in unexpected i didn't think i would like it i've i've seen people posting on facebook that they're enjoying it and stuff like that i'm going yeah you're right. you're just a lightweight you have no you know what you consider to be fun can't possibly be fun and now but you're you're convinced the other way i am i i have i have i have i have i, I i'm not quite a proselytizer for it yet though but i may well be May, I may well, well be at some point in the for future. any Star Trek fans out there who've always wished that we could actually have holodecks, I think this is it. This is the holodeck. This is That's getting so towards cool. that for sure. And the, so and the games, I did buy a fishing game, which is totally lame, but so much fun. And again, it's about <laughs> the visual in the environment. Yeah. Um, the fishing itself is not really, it's, it's okay, but, uh, but the visuals and I, you know, I think the most popular games are these zombie zombie oh, apocalypse sure. games where you get to where you get to chop and things i haven't purchased one of those yet um hmm, but that I might prob- be at my alley 
So yeah, yeah. They, well, I did one on my. In, I, I've I've done it in uh, in three D back pre pandemic. I went to some of these galleries where you could do where you could play three D games, and ultimately, I believe also the networking. You know, their their games. You know, it's the networking, the fighting games, and the uh, the military games are so popular on mm-hmm. Xbox and the others. I think that that is. I don't think they have quite the processing power to really make that happen yet because it's just right. a headset. There's not even a computer. There's not a console. It's just a little headset. It's the size of a phone. Is the processor and the screen in it? And they and you can get um, you can get uh, lenses, uh, corrective lenses that snap over that because I have to wear it with glasses, yeah. even though the, it's quite close to you. You if you need corrected vision uh like i i can read comfortably without my glasses on so i thought oh i won't have to wear the glasses but no it requires for some reason however it works optically uh you have to have your glasses on to see in the distance it's the way that it's all put together so consequently um they have you can purchase for about 40 dollars each little clip-on corrective lenses you send them your prescription they send you out the little clip-ons and you clip them inside so that's a that's it. The Oculus. I I don't know why I wanted to share that, but I thought it, it it is an interesting new piece of technology that is that has definitely caught my imagination. I'm geeking out about it right now, so I'm really glad you shared that. Okay, well I know you'll be getting one soon, probably. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. Hey, let's uh, let's do a quick break, and uh, I want to have a chat with Mike Vardy. I think you'll find it fascinating. Do you need a little more Steve time? Well, I get it, and I have something for you. Do you know that we host a free live training almost every week? This is a fact. Most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, and online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday, and you can find out about this week's webinar by visiting dototech.com slash webinar Wednesday, or check out the links in the show notes. You know, Webinar Wednesday has become an online institution. I've hosted over 160 of them, and we are still going strong. I know, it almost sounds too good to be true. Free training every week and a chance to learn more about productivity, content creation, or online marketing, and more Steve? Oh, pinch me. I'm in a little bit of heaven. The links are in the description or visit dototech.com slash Webinar Wednesday. Mike, do you feel that your attitude towards what the most important kind of tenets of productivity, the things that hold us back from being productive, has changed for the average person in the last, what is it, 14 months, 15 months since yeah. the start of the pandemic? Absolutely. I think perspective has been gained. I think awareness. I think there's there's this interesting thing where because the world was forced to slow down to a degree and adjust, um, that the idea of what productivity is and what being productive is has changed. I think that there's been, for the most part, and this is again coming from a, someone who spends a lot of time studying this and looking at this, is that there's been a greater sense of balance to a degree, or at least a a, a, a longing for it and and how to achieve it versus life speeding by and then wondering what happened. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of retroactive thinking going on and, and they're saying, well, what, what was I doing before? How did I get here? What, what happened? And, and um, it, I think that, that it's because there's been this forced function that has put us in this position. And I don't think everybody's falling. I think every, there's a lot of people that want things to go back to the way they were in a lot of respects, but I think there's a lot of people that are kind of happy for the fact that maybe we are recalibrating what we think 
actually productivity is is what what the meaning of productivity is to them. So from a from a purely practical point of view, I feel that a couple of shifts have happened. Mm. At least and and I don't know whether this is a personal thing that I think and it's just me or if you are seeing this kind of in the general out in the wild. Right. And the first thing that I'm recognizing is my focus has been devastated. Staying on task is tougher than ever for me. Now I was always a moderately distracted person, but I could I could buckle down and I could I could get into the flow and I could just blast away without too much trouble until a year ago. Mm. But now it's like it's it, it's elusive. I would say that focus, the ability to hold on to focus has been challenging for a lot of people. And the ways that we used to, because they've been kind of stripped away, you know, there's not been this maybe overseer for some people who were in the office and there was this, you know, I better be, I better appear busy or I better focus on this because there's a limited amount of time. But because there's very little environment shifting, like some people are working from their home, mm. never did before, because the days and the weeks kind of blend together, <laughs> there's been this blending that I think without the framing, I think that's where focus is kind of, you know, been elusive. What I do find is that when people do get focused and they, they, they tend to hone in a little bit deeper for shorter periods of time. It's like going down. It's like, it's like diving into the water and going deep. They can't stay there that long, but they're able to get to the root of things a lot better because there's less distractions in those brief moments. But, um, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's all these other fundamental things that are affecting us. So how every person comes to that is, is different. Some people are mm -hmm. able to do it a lot more often than others. And one of the things that, that drives me nuts about this, and, and I do not prescribe to this at all. And I think this has a lot to do with the relationship that you and I've had over the years where you kind of opened my eyes to, you know, when I used to say, never check email first thing in the morning, you're like, Mike, that, that you can't say that to everyone because it's not, not a truism for everyone. And I've softened my stance on it. One of the things that I'm tired of hearing and I've heard repeatedly, and it hasn't died down over the, the course of COVID-19 is, well, now you finally have the time to do all the things that you've met, wanted to do. Oh. It's complete and utter bullshit because, yes. <laughs> because when you have so much uncertainty, that takes its toll. You can't engineer certainty in every situ situation that exists. It's just not possible, especially when you're dealing with a whole bunch of other people. So uh, to hear that, like, if you aren't able to write that great American novel or get that big project done during the pandemic, that's fine. Like, most people just are coping with what they can cope with. Uh, and I'm tired of hearing, well, now is your chance to do those big things you've always dreamed of doing because we're not in the same world that we were in before. And some people just, myself included, are like, look, I just want to get through the day or I just want to make sure that I can hold on to what I've already got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in stepping and not seeing the forest for the trees anymore. You know, and you and I both have worked from home for a considerable amount of time and, yeah. and, and you just indicated one of the challenges that people have that were commuters and how they aren't going into their, their, uh, their, their muscle memory space of work, uh, the office, the environment, the cubicle or whatever it is, and they aren't going through the ritual. 
of preparing well, for work. And that's part of it too, is that they're, they're the, initially they were initially some people were like, well, get dressed as if you're going to work because yeah. there was this feeling that this was not going to last as long as it was. But it, that happened. of course is all screwed up because nobody's pants fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that too. There was recently that, that commercial, that uh, extra gum just came out and it went, uh, went viral on social media. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's like, you know, um, it's got the Celine Dion song uh, in the background going, it's all coming back to me now. And it's people like emerging from, from the pandemic and oh, it's yeah. it's it's hilarious but it's there is there's a lot of truth in it because it's poignant too yeah right it's very the, the thing is is that i think initially people were thinking oh this isn't going to last very long so yes i can like pretend to get dressed for work and i can do all these things and and then all of a sudden it's you know that luster goes away and then you have to either you have to figure out new ways to create kind of these triggers right or you just have to say, okay, I'm going to soldier on. I'm going to push through. And, mm -hmm. I, it, it, and I wouldn't say it's all or nothing for any one individual because, I mean, I can speak from experience. Some days I will put, you know, like the nice pants on and then other days I won't. Some days I will do, you know, like I'll listen to my themed day. And then other days I'm like, you know what? I cannot focus on deep work today. So I'm just going to look at my low energy tasks and just get those done. So mm. I think having something to to anchor you is important. But, uh, again, the, the anchors that we're all using, I think this is something that's happened more too, is we're all, we all need different anchors mm. and, and, and to say that one will work more than another is, is, is stupid. And I think for a lot of us too, is recognizing that, you know, with the, with our changing, with our changing, the rhythm of our life changing, mm -hmm. that things that we relied on before are no longer, we can't rely on. So I, I alluded to the commute. People would have a commute and people of course curse the commute. But I think for a lot of people, the commute was a time that you cleared your mind and you cleared the, the decks to get ready for the day's work as well. And if you're working from home, you don't have that opportunity to clear the decks. You go from the bedroom, have some breakfast, make a coffee, wander up into the office and you're right into it. And there's, right. there, there's, an, and even for people like you and I, who have always done that or for the last decade or so have had that commute to work, I don't have, I don't have oh. getting in a cab and going to the airport. No, but that's the other thing too, is I remember, this is another thing that drove me nuts. Like, well, you're used to this. You've been working from home for over a decade. I'm like, by myself, I had my own yes. study. There's nobody else here. So, I mean, yes, I future-proofed my, my working environment to a degree because my op, like right now, even my study has a door hanger on it that said that if the door hangers on, it means don't knock, don't come in, something's going on. If the door's shut, it means knock before you come in. If the door is open, come on in. But if they're home all the time, those signs can only take you so far. Not only yeah. that, but again, it, it changes the way that you're, if everyone's home and I step out of this study, I'm immediately at home again, right? Like, yeah, and you want to know what's going on with your family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and again, it's, it's like you talked about focus, right? Like, oh, I'm having a hard time focusing. I know I'm going to go talk to my kids or I'm going to go see what's going on. Yeah, well, instead of, yeah, yeah. yeah come on, do something healthy. Check Facebook instead. That would be better. <laughs> But that's the other thing. When people said to me, well, you're used to this, so you might nothing. I mean, it must be just the same for you. I'm like, no, because now everyone is in my study all the time. Now, my kids did go back to school, right? 
to a degree. My son's in full time, but my daughter isn't. My daughter's home right now. So, I mean, she's 16. She gets it, but that still doesn't, that still changes some of the dynamic, right? You know, so everything changed. And when people say, oh, well, when things go back to normal, first off, there will be no going back to what existed before. So we all need mm -hmm. to get used to that because a lot of things, there will be some instances where companies say, oh, well, we've saved a lot of money with a lot of remote work and now there's technology. So we will, we will adopt these, um, this kind of work to a degree a bit more. Now, keep in mind, this was going to happen anyways. This just exacerbated it. And, and I mean, you're seeing store, uh, places like, what is it? Shopify. Shopify just announced they're not going to have anywhere near the same square nope. foot. They're going to have hubs. They're going to have like, you go in and it's like a hub where you can congregate with people and every once in a while, but it's not like you're going into the office every single day. So things are going to change. Companies are making that, comp mm -hmm. some companies are making that decision, but Mike, there are, there are individuals that have preemptively made that decision for their company. Yes. I was, I was reading a story of people who live, had their job in Los Angeles, have moved to Denver and not told their employer. <laughs> and now their employers are reaching out to them saying, okay, we're going to open up the office again. And you're going ah, about that. Uh, we have to have a little bit of a chat because I am in Denver. I've been doing my job here. I want to stay here. Let's work this out. And they're basically they, 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 they figure it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And it's going to be more expensive and more difficult for them to find a new person. Well, what's fascinating about that too. And this, this brings up another thing I think that will, is a good thing to a degree is that businesses are going to shift. And I think this was important for a productivity standpoint from a time spent model of seeing how well you've done things to a results based because oh. Right. Because yeah. if you've got people in the office for eight hours a day and they're only really doing three, four hours of work, whereas some people are able to work for four or five hours remotely and get a lot of things done because there are less distractions. And again, this is not a one size fits all thing, but often big businesses have said, well, we, they're equating time spent with results, you know, the results, the productivity that they're getting out of it, as opposed to effort to the level of quality of, of work that they're getting. There, so, and that, that is that personally for me, the one thing that I've kind of, as I've, I, I went through kind of the period of, of guilt saying I should be more productive than ever. I should be doing more than ever now that I'm, that I've got this. And I recognize that the, it was, that was to self to self defeating, but it's for, and, and I'm not sure it's for everybody, but for some people it might be better to say, I'm not going to try and get more done, but what I do, I'm going to try and do better. Right. Or the right things as yeah. opposed to more. Because people love counting. Num numbers are objective. I worked eight hours a day. I put in my eight hours, right? As opposed to, but in those eight hours, what did you do? Like, so I think the measuring sticks will change to a degree. And it's a matter of, and this is where leaders, company leaders can come along, especially those that are willing to make those changes and say, hey, listen, I don't care. You put in eight hours. That's great. But, but you don't need to put in eight hours necessarily if you get these 12, 13, 14. So they have to try to figure out this quantitative, qualitative measurement that, that if we can get that nailed, it's going to help. And I noticed that you use the term leader rather than manager. Yes. Yes. Because leaders do it. Managers are, to me, managers are all, they're, they're facilitating what already exists. That's yeah. their, their, it's a shell game. Leaders are the ones that go, and, and I've come across this many times during consulting and you, you've come across this too. If you get a middle manager that hires you for consulting 
and the leaders don't do what they've hired you for, then it's a lost cause, right? Because the managers are just, in most cases, when that happens, I'm basically, frankly, accepting the funds that they set aside for professional development or training. And it's like, well, if your leader doesn't do it, then I then there's no way that the others are going to follow suit. But if the leader hires me, if the leadership team, the CEO, the CTO, CFO, whatever, they are all of a sudden that there's this 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 cascading effect mm-hmm. that you see. So yeah, a manager will just do what's prescribed. A leader gets to decide what's prescribed, and I think that that's a big difference. Now, since the uh, since the, the the start of the pandemic, you have pivoted your business. Uh, and you, and you're actually changing the name that happened post pandemic, right? Yeah. So we decided this has been an interesting evolution because productivity has been around for, for a long time, but initially it started out as Vardy.me. Like it was just a month. And then we were, what happened was I went from Vardy.me to productivity. Then I tried to turn all corporate and productivity. I buried myself beneath the veneer of productivity and people were like, I don't like this. Where'd Mike go? Where'd the old Mike go is what I would hear. And so I brought Mike back. I brought that level of, of personalized branding, I guess, to the fore of productivity again. And now I think in terms of pivoting, I've recognized that I always, I always kind of said that anybody can be a productivityist. But ultimately what's happened is most people have just said, well, Mike, you are the productivityist. Like it just, I didn't get to, you can try to say what the story is, but over time, the audience kind of gets to tell you what the story is to a degree. So I'm shifting to MikeVardy.com. We're in the process of starting it. And uh, that means the podcast will change, all that stuff. But the term productivities will now be beneath the veneer of Mike Vardy. So it'll be Mike Vardy, also known as the productivityist. But it will allow me to do things like, you know, explore other t- subject matters that are related to productivity and time management, like, you know, my night owl stuff that I love to talk about, um, things of that nature. So that's a big thing for me. And again, I think to your point, Steve, is that this pause for lack of this, this pause to a degree gave me a lot of time to think about where I want to go, what I want to do, how I want to present myself going forward. And, and I don't think I would have made this decision as, as not as quickly, but even as clearly as I had without that. And what other thing in in this is, I think all of us that are in the productivity space have kind of come to terms with is we've always, or I, at least we've always recognized that everybody is going to have their own productivity system. They're going to have their own system that has to fit within. Right. But some of us, um, and I'm looking directly at you, Mike Vardy, some of us had a little more dogma attached to our philosophies on, on it. But I sense that through the pandemic, you have softened your stance a lot. And I love the term of your, of your, of, of, of one of your new ventures of time crafting, of recognizing that people are all different and we all have to come up with our own equation for what's yeah. going to work. Well, and what's, and this has been, again, I think the journey started a while ago, but it really leveled up in recent, like over the last couple of years, especially once I started writing the time crafting book, like initially the method was called the now year formula. Then it became the now year method. Then it was time crafting. And, and the idea is that a craftsperson, number one, never stops trying to hone their craft, right? Like no actor says, well, that's it. I'm done. Like, you know, uh, I mastered the craft. That's not what that's about. And time is very similar. You don't stop crafting your time until you have no more time to craft. Right. So, um, that was a big thing, but also just it, it, 
a lot of people have said over the past, I'd say probably two years, but definitely more over the course of the, the last 14 months or so, is that I have become a bit more philosophical about it. And I think that's part of the journey. You, be, you go from being an enthusiast to maybe a specialist, and then I was the strategist. And now there's this philosophical element that I ha have embraced. And I think that honestly comes with diving into a subject for such a long period of time that you emerge, you, it, it emerges like, and if it doesn't, then I think that that that's the idea of the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset, right? Like some of the books I read now are like the seven week circle by Aviatar Zerubel and, and, you know, like the t how to live on 24 hours a day. That's a hundred plus year old book by Arnold Bennett or looking at other books that have nothing to do with time management and going, Oh, how does this relate? You know, uh, things like that. So yes, I have definitely softened my stance because productivity is very personal. Even when business isn't personal, productivity always is. So I'm kind of leaning into that. And yeah, not, there's no, you must do it this way. You must do it that way because that's not, that's not humane and we mm -hmm. are all humans. So that's, that's what I've kind of leaned into more. And it's, it not only is showing in what's happening with the relationships that I have with the people that keep up with my work, but I just feel much better about it. Like I feel yeah. good well, about it. That's the, that's the, that's the experience of having, I think what you indicated right off the top today, when you said, you know, just getting through the day for us for the last year has been an accomplishment getting through mm. the day without, you know, with our, with our, with our ego and with our sense of well being intact. That is, that's a, that's a successful day. <laughs> so, yeah. so recognizing that and reevaluating what's important, um, I think that comes along with it. And plus you're getting old. I see a few gray hairs. Soon you'll be ready for the gray wave. You're just on the cusp now. Knowledge, knowledge and experience equals wisdom. I think, right. To a degree, uh, depending my on favorite, how you... my favorite quote of that is, uh, was, was an old, um, was, was an old Mark Twain quote, which yeah. is uh, when I was 20 years old, my father embarrassed me. When I turned 40, I was really proud of what the old guy had learned in the last 20 years. <laughs> ah, Mark Twain, clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd be remiss. I know you got to run, but I'd be remiss if we didn't geek out a little bit. What productivity tools are just turning your crank today? Well, I'm into ClickUp in a big way with- uh, Yeah, with you've, done, you've gone deep into ClickUp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really liking it because it's giving the guys at Asana cannot be happy with you right now. Mm, ClickUp's very happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been geeking out on that. Uh, you know, I woven since shut down, which is uh what I was using actually as of this recording, they are in the process of it because they were acquired by Slack. So I was looking for a new scheduling appointment tool and I settled on, and it wasn't really a settling, it's I, I decided to go with Savvy Cal because I really like their interface and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm spending time in there, but real, really one of the big things that I'm geeking out about right now, like in terms of, especially when it comes to like the thoughts that I've been sharing and things like that is personal knowledge management tools, PKM tools. In particular, Obsidian. Like I am actually in a co in a cohort program right now by Nick Milo called Link Linking Your Thinking, and it is um, it you have to set aside time and bandwidth to do it because it's a lot, but it has really opened up my ability to kind of create this personal knowledge management space so that I can build things that I want to build and connect thoughts that I want to connect. So I'd say of all the things that I'm, I mean, yes, ClickUp has been 
great for you know creating structure and optimizing my business practices. Savvy Cal has been great in kind of keeping the flywheel spinning with appointments and such like that in a way that works both for me, but also for the people I'm that want to book appointments. But Obsidian is the one that's really blowing my mind right now. I haven't spent any time with it. I'll have to poke around and have a look. Is it similar to the brain? Is it a, uh, is, is it a, a mind mapping tool? It, to a degree. It's similar to the brain. It's similar. I mean, Rome research, it gets compared a lot to notion to a degree, but let's put it this way, Steve, I've canceled my Evernote account. Oh, that's, see, that's just a mistake. I'm going to do dogma now. That's just a mistake. No, uh, I, I have, it's not that I, well, let's put it this way. I've canceled the paid portion. I still have stuff. Okay. In it, fair enough. But, but I'm moving things from there into, as I'm going through this program, and I think that's the key, as I'm going through this program with Nick, um, I'm finding that some of the stuff that's inside of Evernote wasn't li isn't linked properly. Oh, yeah. And the way that Obsidian does it is really well done. There was somebody said that, uh, I think in this program, someone said, Evernote is a, is, is a place where your notes go to stay, but not uh, not move around. They just, okay. they're a place where they go to stay. And, and with obsidian, there's a lot of linkage that's happening and it's really a, so I'm, I'm digging into it. I'm geeking out about it quite a bit lately. I'm going to have to have a look. I'm still, yeah. I'm still in, firmly in the Evernote bandwagon because I'm releasing a new course on it, but they have had a few teething issues with the new version, but we've changed the way we use it too. Just, I don't know Absolutely. if I've talked to you about it, but yeah. I, I use it far more as a publishing tool now. I create notes in it for for our shared events, and I mm. use that as a so it's, it's so my workflow has streamlined with it substantially. It, the, fact, the fact that Obsidian, Notion, Rome Research, the Brain, these tools exist, they owe a lot to Evernote for oh. that too. So there's so I mean there's no question that Evernote changed the landscape, but now I'm kind of in the middle of what the landscape now is starting to look like, and I'm really excited. Good stuff. Mike Vardy, it's good to chat with you, my friend. Thanks so much, Steve. This has been awesome. So Mike Vardy, smart guy. I've known him for quite a few years. I think people could tell he's a pretty good buddy. Yeah, he's he's. I really liked how grounded in reality he is. And uh, I, I loved that because he, man, he was rattling off things that I've heard and I know everybody's heard. I loved uh, all the, you know, the, like now you finally have the time. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. 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 How many times have we all heard that? We're like, where, where is that time? Because and no. people who, and people who think because we've worked from the home office, I, I think he hit the nail on the head. Yes. I've worked from home, but I've been alone. My yes. It's completely different. I know. And it's, I mean, I, I've talked to people. I mean, they've got their kids are at home and they're young kids and it's like, I'm sorry. No, this is nothing like if you're working from home with like everyone else doing their own thing and gone, you're all stuck in yeah. the same space, but yeah. Setting really new scary. rules. The door is your friend. Um, you know, if you, if you can possibly train your family, I, I have a friend, we did a, we did a video on, uh, you know, working from home, uh, in the top tips from content from people. And, uh, one of my friends, uh, one of the people in the video said, and I thought it was brilliant. She said with her and her husband and they've got kids, they both got their own offices at home because they worked from home for a long time, but they've instilled these rules. They always kind of did them before that. If the door is closed, the, not only you do, you don't knock, you text or you call because they consider them to be at the office. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, it's, I am not here. It's like, it's like, it's like, do you have dogs? Your dog, your dog, when he's doing something wrong, if he doesn't make eye contact with you, he goes, you can't see me. I'm not here. 
That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, but I love that that notion because yeah, treat it as if I'm physically at a different building, and yeah. and we ca- and you're so right. But it's and it's really hard because yeah, I, I love what he mentioned too about oh well, I'm you know I I'm not focused right now. I should go talk to my kid, which yeah. is just gonna derail you for the next half hour. No matter it's what. no different than the, it's no different than the, when we used to deflect and, you know, back, back in the old days, when you hit that kind of a wall, you just jump on Facebook or Twitter or, or I guess Snapchat, or now I guess TikTok is the one and you'd lose yourself and you'd feel like you're doing something because you're sitting there staring at a screen, but you weren't really being productive. That's right. Well, and I'll, I'll make a quick note. I did start, I used rescue time. Remember we talked oh, about that in a prior episode? We talked about it a couple weeks ago, yeah. That's right. I did the, the two-week trial, which wraps up tomorrow. Um, I have learned a lot, and I've learned that I do focus, and this gets back to what he was saying. I do get those times where I am hyper-focused. It's not as long as I would like to be hyper-focused, and then it is telling me. It's like, um, you are getting distracted a lot by mm-hmm. these social apps. So it was really helpful, but you're right. I mean, getting that, and I love that he brought up time crafting. Yeah. Um, you know, just it's a constant work in progress. Yeah, that's Mike's. Uh, that's Mike's new uh, one of his kind of his new ventures as he as he rebrands himself. But but looking at looking at taking it and looking at it as an ongoing process. Back when we started in productivity, we would teach productivity systems, and it goes back. You you were too young to remember this, I think. But when I started in business, they sent us to a, when I did my first sales job, they sent us to a course, a two day course uh, that the company signed us up for. For, and there's a couple of different ones, but the, the one that I remember going to was called Time Text. And what they did is they they trained you, they they sold you this binder that had all of these pages in them that were basically diary pages where you had, but it was a, an entire system where you wrote down your sales pipeline in it and you wrote down all of your, it had, a, it had sleeves in the back for you to put business cards and you scheduled your your cold calls and your and all of this sort of stuff. And it was this documentation system that you put it all together in. And they had, oh, it was an industry. They had different size of these binders that you could purchase. And each of the binders had, they had different specialized pages, packages of pages you could buy depending on the style and the technique you had. But it was a fairly rigid process that we learned. But it was all about time management. Mm-hmm. And they, and, and I think it was my very first sales job as they were t- kind of teaching us to be professional salespeople. That that's what salespeople did is we followed up, we, we, you know, we scheduled calls, we did cold calling, we mm-hmm. captured information, we follow, you know, this kind of thing. And most of our work was done then by phone or by face. It was, email was still not really. Yeah. <laughs> we actually left messages carved into tree trunks. That was, it was that long ago. <laughs> but, but recognizing that there was, I guess what I want to get here is there was a rigid structure yeah. to productivity and to process. And when we started in the online space too, we, we, we tried to apply that rigid structure, I think. And Mike definitely was a, uh, was a victim of that, as was I. We would say, no, this is the way you do things in order to be productive. And now we recognize that mm-hmm. it's, not a, it's not a system or a process, it's an art, which is why the term t- time crafting is so vital because it's, it's what you craft. It's, it's you build it yourself. It's more, like, it's more magic than mm-hmm. Science or yeah. engineering. Yeah. yeah, no, I really appreciate that too because it's adaptable to everyone and it's different situations, which man, has that not come to light in this last year where not everybody's in the same situation so you have to kind of craft it the way that works for you in that environment. So it's And give yourself some time. I, at the end of the day, I think we the, the message, and I don't think we got it in the interview, but 
uh, you know, my message, and you've heard me say it a few times, you have to give yourself some grace. We have to recognize and not be too hard on ourselves. And as long as you're, as long as you want to get into the right place, as long as you kind of set yourself up for success, ultimately by with your attitude of this is what I want, where I want to get, it's, I think it's counterproductive to beat yourself up too much on the path in the journey to get there. Agreed. Don't beat yourself up, y'all. Yeah, don't beat yourself up, y'all. So where, where do people go to get our show notes today, Rachel? Of course. Well, if you want to, I'll stop doing that accent. Dude, the I'm English sorry. accent just doesn't work. I'm it sorry. doesn't. I know. I, and I hate it because I love I, anyone who's in the UK. love you. I wish I could talk like you. I obviously can't. Um, but anyway, in whatever accent, go to www.datotech.com slash 67 gray. And that's gray with an E. So again, it's dototech.com slash 67 gray to get all the show notes of all the things we've been talking about today. Thank you so much, Rachel. We will see you all next week right here for more Gray Matters. Till then, have fun storming a castle. It'll work. It would take a miracle. Bye!